And we are live. This is episode 20 of the Everybody Mad Live podcast. My name is Sad Lover. How you doing? <laughs> we doing good. We see you got a brand new light. <laughs> I know it's right in here, ain't it? <laughs> Sad got a brand new light over there, boys. That's out the Amazon coming through with that plug on the light. Right, right, right. The show up on my skin. <laughs> you good, man? You good? What's up, everybody? I'm Kenya Kabeen. Welcome to the Everybody Mad Live podcast. You can leave us the comments. Let us know what's going on. Sam, what's been popping up in Detroit this week, man? Uh, well, two days ago, the gyms opened uh, for the first time. Ooh. I know uh, y'all don't know that it's still a global pandemic going on, but here in Michigan, we do. Uh, yeah. So uh, slowly but surely, things are starting to get back to open. Um, the gym's open, but it's only at 25% capacity, so it's still... Oh. Like, uh, well, we're still not even getting back to normal because we still ain't got no solution. I know. Still don't have a solution. Shouts out to Trump for that right there because you know how that goes. But, I mean, you know, like I told you, like here in Atlanta, man, you still can't tell, man. Everybody's just going through life like it's all good. Like we ain't in no pandemic, brother. Right. Yeah, man. (laughs) Well, look, man, I know we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got some great guests coming on the show. Uh, Today, we have an author, uh, Jonathan, who has a uh, book, This Out, that's going to help a lot of people, especially like people that are trying to do like uh, own their own business. So you definitely have to keep a lock for that. Plus, we have an update on what's going on in Flint, Michigan, with the um, water crisis up there. They're still going on. And a lot of people have forgotten all about it. Yeah. But there's still a water crisis that's going on. There's people still uh, struggling up in uh, Flint, Michigan, right? Yep, they are uh, still. And, you know, they started having issues back in 2014. It was the yeah, end of 2014 when they started having the issues uh, with stuff going on. So it's just been one of those cases where it's still the people have just waited too long. And we see how quickly the government can materialize things when they need to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, like how quickly we got those stimulus checks. That's how quickly the government can act when they need to. But Flint just hasn't been the recipient of that uh, type of grace or that type of gen- generosity. So we do have uh, Jasmine Hall. She's actually uh, fl- another Flint resident. Actually, that, that's the cool thing about both of our guests. They're uh, both from uh, city of Flint, born and raised in Flint, and they'll be sharing their perspectives on uh, what it is. Jasmine is closer to the ground. She's working with uh, Dr. Mona. That's the doctor that discovered uh, the uh, lead in the water in the first place, testing with the uh, children. So She's working mm-hmm. a little bit with uh, her, and uh, she works in the public health space. So we'll uh, kind of check in with her and see what's going on with that. So I'm looking looking forward to talking with her and uh, Jonathan both about the Flint water. Because the thing is with Flint, uh, and really anything, once we stop seeing it in the news, pe- people just think that it doesn't exist anymore. But yeah. the problem still persists. Mm, still going on right now. So really excited about uh, what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go ahead and kick everything off, Sid. Yep. Well, uh, as you all know, uh, as of today, over 191,000 people in the U.S. have died from COVID-19 related deaths. Uh, solid proof came out this week that Trump knew the severity of the coronavirus and didn't even give a damn about it. And now the Trump administration is working to put their spin on this whole controversy. Now, investigative journalist Bob Woodward, he spoke to Trump a total of 18 times from December 2019 to July 2020. And he said that Trump knew exactly everything that he needed to know, uh, everything that he needed to know about coronavirus. And he said that he knew that coronavirus was deadly and worse than the flu, but he continued to mislead and gaslight Americans. I know said has a clip. Let's check it out. Said, how's can it you look? hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. 
Oh yeah, like I'm I see you everything, but as soon as I pulled up the video, actually I pulled it up from Fox News and mm -hmm. it it froze both the video system and uh my my our video, so I can't even touch the screen. Well, if it's coming from Fox News, that's probably why it froze. They you know it is. They don't they, they don't want us to get the real truth out. That's all at that all. Is. At all. And I, and and like I purposely said, let me play it from Fox News. So let me show the people what's really going on. And then like right. uh yeah, like everything froze. Hold on a right. second. I'm I may have to do a uh a reboot do, or do a quick hard reboot. Okay, cool, cool. So while Seth is getting everything straight um, on the technical side of things, this is another uh, Trump story. This is actually related to Trump. His oldest son, uh, <laughs> you know, and this shouldn't even come as a surprise either, but Trump's oldest son, uh, Don Jr., is just as dumb as his father this week. He said that this is, and he's talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. That's a 17-year-old. They killed the protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He actually said that we all do stupid things when we're 17. This was his comment on what the 17-year-old did up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, when they asked why his father still has condemned Rittenhouse actions, Don Jr. said that they're waiting for due process and don't want to jump to any conclusions, which is kind of ironic because Donald Trump always jumps to conclusions before all the facts come out anyway. So it's kind of strange that his son just said, okay, well, we're actually trying to get all the facts before we can even really comment on this right here. But his comment, once again, was it was it was ignorant. It doesn't really surprise me that he said that. And, you know, everybody knows that Trump clearly defended this 17-year-old's actions and it's like, wow, you know, but once again, if it was a person of color that did it, like Trump would say, okay, you know, we got to bury him under the jail because that's just how Trump is. Okay, here we go. All right, so here we go. So these are Trump's comments on COVID. You're even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year. This is more deadly. This is hyper. You know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. Now, that interview was taped on February 7th, very early on in the pandemic. Earlier today, Fox mistakenly aired a graphic saying that it was taped on March 19th. And to be very clear here, there was another recording on March 19th, which is where I believe the person who made that graphic got that date from. But to be very clear, it was back on February 7th that President Trump said that he believed that COVID-19 was much more deadly than the flu. Now, so there's Fox News. Wow. I'm surprised Fox actually said that. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm yeah. shocked. That's so I see why you wanted to play it from Fox News. That was brilliant, said real good move on your part. Yeah, yeah because it, and and like I'm, I think now it's just time to where we just get out of the uh back and forth, out of the Democrat Republican. His first first priority is always gonna be himself. Mm -hmm. It's never gonna be this country. It just so happens to be that he's a Republican. But like, remember, Trump used to be a Democrat, too. I guess Democrats was just smart enough not to actually elect them and put them in office. But Republicans <laughs> did. So now he is a Republican and and, he, and he's in office. But I'm beyond that. At this point, it's like this dude is doing so much stuff that is just against our just way of life. I'm tired of li living like I'm living. Not to say that it's mm -hmm. an awful life because I'm glad to have health and, and I'm glad to have resources. But I'm but I'm irritated that like my whole 2020 has just been just gone. No vacation. Yeah. We ain't gonna have no football. No football. Not for real. Like like we can't go to a game. Not for real. 
Right. You know, I've right. watched a few games on TV. All my all our holidays have been erased. We didn't have an Easter. We didn't have Mother's Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day. All of our mm. summer is just gone. People can't have big weddings because now you got size limitations. People can't memorialize people who've died. Yeah. They can't go to the hospital and hold somebody's hand. Right. And it's not because Trump started the virus. It's because he lied about it and didn't allow people to get access to the right information so that they can make decisions for themselves. And mm. that's just jacked up. It that's is jacked up to be this man has willfully taken away our ability to make decisions that we need to be able to make because mm -hmm. he didn't give us all the information. And then too, it wasn't even like he held it back. He lied about it. He straight up lied because he knew he knew in January. And then in February, he's telling um, in March, he's telling uh, the uh, governors to reopen their states. Mm -hmm. You know, this was deadly, but mm -hmm. you still went ahead with that. And that's just jacked up. And, that's all I have to say. It, yeah, like it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous for anybody to even try and make any excuse for him. It is. I totally agree with you. We have some comments coming in. Shouts out to Jason. He says, "Here's my issue." Uh, he said Trump said that he didn't want people to panic, but then he didn't mobilize the country to produce the resources we needed and led the nation with the plan to limit the impact that we're seeing right now. That's exactly what Seb was saying, too. Yep. Uh, he said that uh, he admitted to knowing that the virus was in the air, but he won't push everyone to wear masks. Right. He knew this back in January and February, but he wasn't pushing for everyone to wear masks back right. in January. Right. Very true. That's that is so true. Straight up. And, and that's why we are once again in this situation that we're in. And for people to not see it just because of this whole, you know, racist energy that they have and just because of their love for Trump. At the end of the day, you just have to look at it for what it is. He's just not competent enough to run the country. Not. All there is, he doesn't have anything to do with race or anything. He's just yeah. he's not competent. He doesn't have the intelligence. He's not presidential to run this country. And that's why he needs to go. That's it. That, Let it, me ask you this. If if if. If 200,000 people had died when Bush sent them to Iraq, would there be an outrage? Absolutely. We, we, we've literally lost 200,000 people. Right. And not just in a year. Right. It's only, it's been, it's been basically six months. Yeah. Six months to lose almost a quarter of a million people. Yeah. The United States is only 4% of the world population, but we're almost 25% of the deaths. He just ain't got it. Yeah. And yeah. there ain't nothing you can say about that. Mm -hmm. Like Michelle Obama said, it is what it is. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the next story. You can leave your comments. Let us know your thoughts on everything. Uh, let, here's an update on uh, Jacob Blake. This was the brother up in uh, Kenosha that was uh, paralyzed after being shot in the back multiple times by police. He actually spoke out for the first time this past week from his hospital bed to deliver some positive energy, some positive vibes to the masses. And he also appeared in court virtually complete not guilty, not guilty to sexual assault charges. I don't know if you have a clip of that or not, Sid. I can be taken from you like this, man. And I promise you, the type of shit you will go through, staples, I got staples in my back, staples in my damn stomach. stomach. You do not want to have to deal with it. Man. 24 hours, every 24 hours, it's pain, it's normal pain. It hurts to breathe, it hurts to sleep, it hurts to move from side to side, it hurts to eat. 
please, I'm telling you, change our lives out there. We can stick together, make some money, make make everything easier for our people out here, man, because there's so much time. Man. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole lifetime of recovery he's going to be going through. Yeah. This is the beginning part of it. And even just like just psychologically, the damage that is done to him. Um, yeah. I can only imagine, you know, like just being shot seven times in the back and, you know, you're waking up with all these nightmares and stuff like that. So, I mean, he has a lot of reco recovery psychologically to deal with, too, in addition to physically. And um, he's blessed, truly blessed to be alive because we've seen this play out way too many times. Uh, where, you know, a brother gets killed that's unarmed and he ends up dying. You know, yeah. this guy is very, he's truly blessed to be alive right now. And I hope that um, uh, the cops that did this, I hope that they're prosecuted. Yeah. Deserve. Yeah, hope so too. Keeping it moving, Ahmaud Arbery. Now, here's an update on what's going on with the whole Ahmaud Arbery situation. First of all, let's talk about his mom, Miss Wanda Cooper Jones. Now, not only is she dealing with her son's death, but she's dealing with people actually profiting from Ahmaud Arbery's death. Now, apparently, his best friend, his name is Akeem Baker, launched a GoFundMe page that raised almost two million dollars in funds now the page claims that the money is going to miss wanda but how's about she hasn't received not one red dime has not received one penny from this gofundme page and two million dollars has been raised this is it, it, it's just once again this is ridiculous this is what this is this is the world that we live in right now where people are shady people will do anything and this was supposed to be his homeboy his best friend pulled this right Earlier now this month, uh, let's uh, back it up to earlier this month, Ahmad suspected killers, Travis and Gregory McMichael, they filed separate motions for bond. They also filed to have the malice murder charge and the criminal attempt to commit felony drop. Now, the father and son duo has pleaded not guilty to all charges, which include malice murder, four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit a felony. The other uh, third, the, the third suspect, William Brody. Well, I'm sorry, his name is William Bryan. They call him Brody. He was denied bond back in July. Um, I just think it's sad. I, I think it's sad. You know, this is supposed to be his homeboy, and this woman has not received nothing from a yeah. GoFundMe page. But he's leading people to believe that this money is going to her when it's not. Oh man. We'll keep you all updated. Well, said, are you going to go ahead and introduce today's first guests? Oh, absolutely. Um, so um, what we'll do now is uh, get into our discussion on Flint. Um, we know a lot uh, with what's happening um, now with the pandemic is what our focus is. But Flint still uh, never fully recovered from the uh, water crisis that they had starting as early as 2014. That's six years ago. Wow. Still, people today have not gotten their pipes replaced. So uh, we were fortunate to be able to speak to one of the folks on the ground, uh, Jasmine Hall. Uh, she's actually a uh, native of Flint, born and raised in Flint, went to uh, Central Michigan here locally. Uh, but after that, got her master's degree in epidemiology um, and that sort of re research. So she's a guru about epidemics and pandemics and that sort of thing. So um, she's going to talk a little bit about uh, her, her experience um, because uh, she is just back fresh. Uh, from finishing that work at Harvard uh, University. So I'd love to welcome to the show, everybody mad, Jasmine Hall. Welcome to the show, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you for awesome, having me. Awesome. 
So glad to have you here. And definitely um, you as one of the leading millennial voices uh, down there in uh, Flint, we certainly want to uh, talk about you. But um, let's let's set the scene. Let's let everybody know how smart you are. Um, so uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about uh, your journey. Obviously, you were born and raised in Flint, uh, went to school at uh, Central Michigan, and then uh, I did the, your, your graduate studies at Harvard University. Tell us a little bit about that and what inspired you to bring you back to Flint. Like I grew up on the north side of Flint. I, had oh, a lot yeah. of, I have a lot of siblings, you know, have a lot of family that just became family in Flint. Yep. And so growing up, like I knew I wanted to come back to Flint. I knew I wanted yep. to do something. even if I didn't live here forever, I wanted right. to give it back to Flint. Um, exactly. So I'm you know, I'm at Central and at the time I was studying neuroscience. I was hearing like, oh, you know, lead and water. I was like, mm -hmm. what? Because I have nephews, and I'm the middle child, so you know, right. children, not all, but um, and so seeing this, I, I felt like, what can I do? You know, several people felt like, what can we do? People in Flint, people everywhere, like it was, it was wonderful to see the outpour of love, um, yep. especially at the height of the water crisis. Yeah, I, you know, right, like I didn't know what public health was, um, honestly. <laughs> I was I was actually like in 2014. I was in Flint during the summer, um, spending a lot of time with my family. But that fall, I actually studied abroad. So I'm over in Asia, and I'm seeing you know I'm still I'm still connected to my people. So I'm seeing right. news articles and stuff about the water, and I'm like, what's going on? This is still during that first 18 months. So back 2014, 2015 time. Okay. So I'm like, you know, what's you know what's going on? That's how I kind of started learning about public health. Right. And then um, I wanted to find a school where I could do kind of public health and neuroscience, psychology, you know, kind of put that all together. Exactly. Um, and they, there was only two schools. And I was like, you know, I could, I could go to Harvard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> moved out there. And I, I knew going into grad school, I definitely wanted to come back to Flint. Definitely. So with your uh, work there in Flint and then you're 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 kind of sent back down here. Once you get back to Flint, you're in the epicenter. You're uh, you work with uh, Dr. Mona. Um, um, I'm, a, I'm having a brain freeze right now. Uh, yep. Yep. You're in the epicenter of what's happening. Um, so now, obviously, you know what's happening with the water crisis and all that stuff. Um, how does that make it even more challenging when we enter into this period in 2020 once we add on to the water crisis, a pandemic? I mean, honestly, for everyone, I mean, I mean, some people saw a pandemic coming, but really, yeah. like, this is like everybody's saying unprecedented, like it it's is. hard um, dealing with the aftermath of the water crisis. It does make it a little ch more challenge or it makes it more challenging. And in some ways, there are things that were learned during the water crisis. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm away at school studying coming back and visiting, but there are right. people who know so much more than me, you know, in, in the city of Flint who knew kind of, okay, these are the relationships we need to get back, you know, yeah. up and rejuvenated. Yeah. Like the, the, we need to get, you know, people access to water. Um, the expanded healthcare made it so that a lot of people were able to access healthcare, although not a lot of people are using um, healthcare services. So in some ways it made it more difficult, especially, I mean, if you're if you're still living in the city of Flint, depending on whether or not you had your pipes in place, depending on how much you trust your water, just, you know, telling people to wash their hands and things like that. Eh, if you don't have clean water. Yeah, you know, makes it hard. 
accounts. Yeah. Uh, Flint has been challenged uh, since 2014, 2015. Here it is six years, five years, five, five six years later in that. Nestle's still providing bottled water. So that gets my little mind thinking like, hmm, why are they still providing bottled water for the residents? Is that because the public has a whole huge level of mistrust with the government? Or is that just meaning that the pipe replacement still isn't complete yet? Well, that's a question. That's that's the million dollar question, honestly. honestly. Um, and even being back, I can't. I can't look at my nieces and nephews and tell them that the water is safe to drink right. because I don't know. Um, and so I'll, I'll say it to you like, I don't, I don't know. And there, there are, there is some mistrust, um, yeah. well, a lot of mistrust. And, and to me, it doesn't look like there's enough effort to rebuild that trust, um, yeah. regardless of what a chemical test is saying, you know, like if people don't trust the water, like replace all the pipes, replace the pipes inside and outside of the homes. Yeah. Give people um, new appliances, like yeah. make sure people are set. Um, and then let's talk about trust, you know? Yeah. And that conversation yeah. isn't being had, like the pipes have not finished being replaced. Um, there's been a challenge getting people to opt in. Um, this is, yeah. these are what I'm hearing, but there's been challenges getting people to opt in. You know, some people have landlords, if you're a renter, you might want it, but you know, if you're not in charge of, the house if you don't own it, yeah, you're having to deal with this still. Uh, one of the things that we know, uh, through uh, obviously with your education and what we've learned through the news is that, like, we know that lead um, in water impairs learning development and brain function and uh, so many other things, uh, with young people for, from just a learning standpoint. So, just from an educational standpoint, what sort of support is going on in Flint or what sort of support is needed uh, for those young people right now? Yeah, so they're. I mean, there are a lot of resources that have come into the city, um, resources that have expanded, like health insurance, um, yeah. which, you know, critical things like food assistance, critical, the neurodevelopmental center of excellence, yeah. critical. Um, but in some cases, we need more more of the follow up to happen. Um, yeah. You know, that capacity to be in place for kids to know how, how they are learning and um, how they are developing and things like that, and then connecting back to those schools. So, that follow up um, with service providers, expanding who is eligible. Some people are, um, how would I put it? Some people are starting to, you know, make more money, um, get better jobs, and things like that, and are actually not not eligible for certain programs or the age right. that you know they're getting they're getting a little older. And some of these programs just you know just started or they just started getting a lot of people to participate. And so if kids are aging out of these programs, um, that's another you know, additional challenges. I would say there certainly needs to be more support on the technology end, because like you're saying, you're in a pandemic, you know, schools are remote, healthcare, um, you yeah. know, what you're, what you're doing, especially for health in this pandemic. Let me ask you one last question. As a, as a professional uh, public health official, you're in control. <laughs> What's the first thing you're going to do so that we don't have to wait until 2021, 2022 to figure out what we're going to do? Like what what will be your game plan coming from a public health perspective? Well, um, I'm, I'm glad you and I know that's kind of broad <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to share because I've, I've thought about what what am I going to do as an individual? What am I going to do um, to serve and yeah. kind of what should we be doing? Because I don't see black public health leaders. I don't see a black Dr. Fauci, you know, like where no. 
that Dr. Fauci. Um, exactly. Because our people are dying. Our people are being impacted by this virus. Our people are grieving. Um, and so one thing I'll, I'll certainly be doing is focusing on my mental health. Um, okay. You know, I, I have no shame in talking to a therapist. You know, I love my therapist. I think she gives wonderful tips, especially around self-care. Like, how do you make sure you're, you're able to thrive? We have not, we have not seen pandemic plus winter Mm-mm. yet. Um, and if plus you're, flu season. <laughs> right, right. Plus flu season. And if you're in Michigan, Hey, people are, you know, down and depressed. You're not going to be seeing a lot of people yeah. like, to make sure we're prioritizing mental health, um, yeah. making sure we're voting safely, um, yeah. the voting, <laughs> um, and and making sure that we're okay regardless of what happens. Like that we're conti- we're keeping that same energy either way. You know, um, that's that's part of the game plan. And just loving on my people because if this pandemic has shown anything, it's that like there is there is not a lot of time we need to love our people we need to be creative we need to do the things that we enjoy you know yep yep definitely awesome well i think that that's a good personal game plan i think uh some of our government officials can definitely take some tips uh from that because i think that um that's one of the things that i've noticed is that that my mindset has changed during this pandemic normally happy type of self uh has has not always been happy it's not even just with the pandemic uh on on the other side they keep killing people that look like us you know so that's a whole nother show and i don't even want to start that because we could be talking forever on that but um i definitely want to appreciate you and uh uh honor your time commitment but uh thank you for joining us with the uh everybody man podcast uh please 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 don't let this be the last time because we'd love to have your uh perspective as a part of the show because uh we definitely want to uh elevate black voices certainly um voices of the millennial uh, generation so that we can uh, definitely be talking about the right stuff, giving people the right information so that we can uh, do what we need to do to protect ourselves. So I definitely want to thank you, Jasmine. And uh, shout out to you uh, representing Flint Town and uh, doing some great things, uh, Harvard grad. So I definitely want, want to uh, elevate you and uh, show some black girl magic uh, with you. So thank you uh, for adding your uh, expertise to the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Like, I'll be back. I'll be back. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. We definitely will have her back uh, on the show, uh, the Everybody Mad podcast, because uh, um, I, I I love to see black women doing well and, and and operating in their gifts. And I think that far too long, a lot of black women have have uh, not been able to be showcased in their rightful place. Because uh, I, I I say it to this day, uh, a black woman built me. A black woman built this country. Uh, the, uh, the all the black women who stood and did all the things that they have to do uh, while and still doing it, still doing it. So. Uh, Anytime I can elevate a black voice, and um, I'm always ready to do that. Um, no doubt, that was a great interview, Sid. It, it's so easy for the government just to come in to me. Now, call me wrong. To me, it would seem like the government would have the ability to just give everybody what they needed because right. it was the government that messed up the pipes with the leaching into the water. And that's mm-hmm. Like Jasmine said, like, why don't you replace all the pipes inside and outside? And also, uh, what about uh, uh, the appliances in the house that use water? Right. And, the- and, and clearly, as we all know, that there is money to do that. You know, everybody checks for the whole COVID situation. And this happened all these many years ago. Why couldn't Flint get their just due? Right. America is the richest country on Earth. 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 Right. So we can find the resources for anything that we uh, place 
in, of importance. If it's important to us, we can find the resources for it. But I think far too often, part of the issue is that we don't have enough of us sitting at those tables. So when it's time for us to get what we need and what our community needs, it ain't enough mm -hmm. of speaking right. up and saying what we need. But um, we do have our second guest, also from Flint. He's been making a uh, habit of doing this, too. Uh, he comes from, um, well, FAMU. Um, so our HBCU, HBCU, we got some representation from there. I know you, uh, what are you, Savannah State? Yeah, Savannah State all okay. day, dog. Yeah. And uh, he also worked in uh, local government here before becoming a serial entrepreneur. I uh, would like to welcome to the show, Jonathan Quarles. How's it going, bro? All right. I'm well. How y'all doing? Hey, good. brother. You doing good, man. You been all right? I'm well, man. It's, it's Friday, so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Hey, man. Well, great to have you on the show. Let's talk about, like, uh, you have a book out called Making Dollars While Making Change. Talk about the book and what is it all about, Jonathan? Yeah, so the so the book is something that I'm really excited about. Um, I've always growing up in Flint, um, and I was I never considered myself a strong writer. At least that's what teachers used to tell me. Mm -hmm. um, but the book actually is is half a half memoir and a half uh, playbook for figuring out how to enter the intersection between business and social impact. So uh, I'm talking about some le lessons that I learned. I, I had an opportunity to work uh, in corporate America for a while in the senior management level. Had opportunity to work at the most senior level on in government, um, municipality government, actually. And then I also had opportunity to work in the philanthropy. Um, and I've always been an entrepreneur. I mean, when I was eight, I started my first business, had a, a paper route. Uh, and so from then I had over 10 businesses, sold some businesses, invested in other companies. So I think the book kind of talks about all of the different experiences that I had and, and um, you know, where we need to be going from here. So it's a playbook for game changers. Um, so part of what we were talking about um, kind of relates to how you got your uh, start for your latest uh, venture, uh, Quartz Water Source. Uh, sure. Talk a little bit about uh, how the Flint water crisis uh, birthed an idea from your entrepreneurial spirit into yeah. uh, something that's going to help the community. Yes. I mean, I, I was inspired by just the Flint water crisis. I mean, I'm from Flint. Um, my, my family, my parents still live in Flint. Um, my my relatives still live. So I actually know people that have died, people that are suffering from um, learning disability because of the, the water crisis. And so I couldn't just sit back and just let that happen and, you know, provide Band-Aids. You know, at the time where people were providing bottled water, which was really good and which was needed um, because people were bathing in water at the time. Um, I realized that there's something more that I have to do. And I wanted to be able to provide a sustainable, long-term sustainable solution. And so in 2015, I had an opportunity to travel to Israel um, and I got a chance to meet uh, a company there called WaterGen. And WaterGen actually is one of the pioneers of atmospheric water generation. So they make water out of air. And so I was really like amazed by the technology and had an opportunity to talk to the CEO there. And I said, well, you know, I want to figure out how we can do something like that in Flint because in Flint, um, Flint is just actually one, one stage. And what I realized is that after we started doing uh, research and development, we realized that Flint is not alone. I mean, we have New Jersey, South Carolina, Mississippi, and other states that are suffering from this water crisis, whether it's through lead poisoning, whether it's through water shutoffs, whether it's through um, contamination within the water system. And a good thing about this particular technology is that it's a scalable solution. So we can produce up to 5,000 liters of water from the air, right? So we don't, we, we don't touch pipes. Um, we don't even compete with municipalities. We more so uh, complement the municipalities and we, we we service as almost like water insurance. So for municipalities, prison systems, hospitals where they're looking for clean drinking water that is consistently clean and is scalable. We are able to provide them with that technology um, and we're, we want to do that all over the world. 
That's dope. That's, That's dope. Cool. I wish I, I I I meant to download the video because that is is it, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, uh, how how the technology was able to uh, literally get people clean drinking water um, um, by harvesting i guess that's that's the best word uh harvesting uh like the like the uh, moisture that's already in the air and turning it into a drinkable solution so that's exactly man like uh, well i'm a nerd sometimes but but (laughs) just got so so excited i'm like that's that's cool that's cool stuff and then to have that actually uh sitting inside the uh, city of flint that's a cool thing so you have some of those plants uh low uh inside the city right correct yeah so currently in flint but we also we're doing this all over the united states and wow. the, world, the Caribbean island, um, and even all over the world. Um, but right now we're focused our um, quartz water source is actually focused specifically on North America. We get, we got to get our house right first before we go out into other communities, but I'm very focused and committed to, we have, we're a triple bottom line company. So not only are we making sure that we are, we, we give back. So a portion of everything we make goes back to, um, water related projects, but we also make sure that we're employing people that look like us. And so I am very much so focused on black and brown communities that are always neglected. Um, whenever there's a water crisis right now, especially during COVID, water is the most important thing. And it's going to be the most important thing in the next 10 to 15 years. That's going to be the most important thing because the access to clean drinking water in even big cities like Chicago, um, LA, New York, that's going to be a problem. And so we want to make sure we get ahead of that and make sure that our people have um, access to clean drinking water. So, Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome, Jonathan. Uh, man, man, you know what? Uh, you call let me, me JQ. You can call me JQ. No one calls me Jonathan. That's I'm, oh, I'm my not- bad. My bad, JQ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Go ahead, Seth. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, the importance of being able to use your creativity uh, for your entrepreneurial spirit and why that's important, especially for black people. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, and I grew up in the heart of the city, not like the suburbs. And so, you know, y- y'all brothers, y'all, I mean, I think y'all y'all from Detroit, I'm assuming, but I know y'all live in Detroit area. Um, well, I went there like, for a... Uh, oh, really? Five, okay. Well, well, actually, I'm sorry. It was Davidson. So let me take that back. Yeah. Flint, Flint. It was Davidson. But you you understand what I mean? Like, when you say you're from Flint, there's people that say I'm from Flint, but they're actually from Davidson and Flushing and, and, right. and things like that. <laughs> Right. But I'm from Flint. I'm from the I'm Straight from up. the inter city of Flint. And so, you know, we take pride in that. And I wear that on my shoulders. I mean, that's why this shirt I'm wearing is called Water to the People. Like we are we've always been fighters. People have always counted us out because we were like actually in the top three when I was growing up, top three most dangerous cities to uh, to live in. But with that being said, I've always been a problem solver. I call myself a slasher. So like when I was younger, I had teachers to tell me I was either gonna be in jail or dead because I used to do things that wasn't really safe i was i was involved in a gang at the time but the reality is i had loving parents and and fortunately i had parents that was in the church so i had a, a dad that was a deacon he still is a deacon in the church my mom the sunday school teacher she's still a sunday school teacher if it wasn't for my parents and my community to actually help like put their arms around me in the midst of my uh, rebellion in the midst of my like youthful curiosity is what i call it um i wouldn't be here today i mean i my best friend got murdered when i was 12. so i've seen a lot of stuff uh, experienced a lot of stuff but I realized in the core of it all, like my parents always loved me and they always realized that, you know, you're not here for yourself, there's something bigger than you. So I knew at a very young age that is um, that my life was important and, and the mission um, and my why it has to be lived out. And um, so I think that's what kind of like motivated me to uh, to to do to be a business owner. But in particular, um, we come from very humble beginnings. And so I knew at a very young age that I needed uh, the only way I can get out of poverty was through like ownership and equity. And so 
like I said, I've had several businesses throughout the year. Some of them was well, did, did very well. Some of them uh, failed. But um, to this day, I'm currently uh, I think I have four companies now. Uh, now that I think about it, and um, you know, I'm looking to make sure that other young people behind me understand the importance of ownership and equity um, collectively. No doubt. So let me ask you, Jonathan, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs out there, uh, people that are saying, OK, look, you know, I want to get into this business. I want to go into business for myself, but I'm a little bit nervous. What advice would you give them? But I would say this, um, you know, I don't ever knock nine to fives. I think that's I, I think that you have to do what you need to do to take care of your family or take care mm -hmm. of yourself. But in the midst of that, we have so much time. I think we waste a lot of time. I think time management is so important. Uh, one thing I didn't do, which I would always tell people to do, is that before you leave your nine to five, make sure you have something set. I, I always say that even in the Bible, it talks about multiple streams like David had multiple streams. Right. He, he wasn't just uh, I mean, he had he was a musician. He was a, I mean, he, this I had so, so many multiple streams. And so, I mean, you had to have at least four to five streams of income so that in the event of a COVID-19 or in the event of a recession, you're not if you lose your job, you still have opportunities to be able to create wealth. Um, and generational wealth. Um, and then collective economics is something that I talk about a lot in the book. Um, and so, yeah, for the book, I want to make sure I say this uh, for those individuals that have not pre-ordered your book. Check out JonathanQuarles.com um, and you can pre-order your book there. But it's, it's literally a playbook. I talk about specifically like a roadmap of how you actually create these streams of income and how do you actually become a successful entrepreneur. But it's not enough to be an entrepreneur. It's important that we understand that social impact is just as important as business. And so mm -hmm. what I'm hoping to do, especially in this new normal, is that it's not enough. Consumers are not just looking at businesses for what they can produce and how they can consume. They're like, what are you doing in the community? What are you doing in the world? And how are you positively effectuating change within the, uh, your employees and the people that you service? And so the book talks about that, that intersection between business and social impact. And I think we have to, as, as entrepreneurs, as aspiring entrepreneurs, as change makers, everything we do is not about us. It has to live beyond us. And so the book talks about all that stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome, Jonathan. Well, we really appreciate your time. You taking um, time out of your busy schedule to be with us this afternoon. Let everybody know how can they get in contact with you? What's your social media handles? And again, how can they get your book? Sure. So my website, Jonathan Quarles, uh, last name is Q-U-A-R-L-E-S. And it's Jonathan is spelled the way the biblical name, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Um, there you can you can reach me um, as well as on Instagram, Jonathan Quarles. Uh, Jonathan.quarrels. Um, but all of that stuff is on my website. You can you can reach me there. Um, that's the book. And uh, yeah, I love to I, I love serving people and whatever I can do to be helpful. You send me you can send me a direct uh, direct message on my website. I, I actually reply to them. I see all of them. Um, but I mean, my, my thing is um, I can't I can't like leave this earth without being able to provide and being used up. And so that's mm -hmm. what my dad always tell me when you when the, the goal is to be able to like live a life that is thoroughly used right. and um, it's not about me It's bigger than me. And if I leave and I have no succession or there's no one to say, oh, wow, this world is like missing something, just like what Dr. King talked about um, with the street sweeper, um, then my life was in vain. So please use me. I'm here for you all. Yeah, there it is. All right, everybody. Again, this is Mr. Jonathan Crowes. Brother, again, we really appreciate you, man. You stay blessed. OK, you too. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Valuable information said. I like that right there, bro.
yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just great to see his progression uh, moving from that space and moving to a space now where not only is he having his own business, but he's empowering other people. And I think that's really what it's all about. Yes, it is. About. Like, it's not like, OK, well, once I get up to get mine, well, I'm going to try and get more of it. Mm -hmm. Trying to pour those resources back into other people so that they can begin to get some of the things that we uh, have gotten. And also, like, it's all about the pull up. It, 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 it ain't it ain't about the drag down and we too focus on the drag down but it's always whenever you get up to a level i've always been told you gotta pull somebody else up you gotta pull somebody else up and what i really admire about him is that he actually gave back to his own community Absolutely. like the, the his hometown where he actually grew up yep. flint michigan and did good for them yep. so kudos to jonathan for what he's doing man that he's an awesome brother man yep. Yep. awesome brother that's what, what it's all about we all can do a little something mm -hmm. we all can find out what can we do to make something a little bit better? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Leave your comments. Let us know what you're thinking about. Everybody's talking about the Kardashians. Did you ever watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians? No. You didn't? No. Well, the big news in entertainment is that they are finally ending their run after 19 years on the air. And um, no, my bad. it's 20 years. I'm sorry, say, say it again. I just said praise God. <laughs> after 20 seasons on and, and they say 20 seasons so i don't know if it's it's not 20 years i don't think but i 20 seasons i don't know if it is 20 years but 20 seasons of keeping up with the kardashians is over uh reportedly chris uh jenner said that she was ending the show after kim and kylie threatened to quit chloe and scott disick are allegedly upset about the decision the show is ending because the kardashians no longer no longer need checks from e entertainment because um, you know, they promote their brands on Instagram and on, on the internet. So they're pretty much done with reality TV. Hmm. And, you know, said, I know says not a fan. I, I would check in with the Kardashians every blue moon. I, I'm going to tell you, I started watching just to see Kanye on it and to see what Kanye was doing when he first got with Kim. But, um, I didn't really, I never knew you said what I said. I didn't even know that they put him on the show. I thought that he was, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kanye was actually, you know, featured on the show and everything. So I would just check in to see what Kanye was doing. But I really didn't keep up with it. I think my show, I used to keep up with the Braxtons more so than the Kardashians. That's just me personally. But it uh, looks like everything is over for the Kardashians. Now, uh, let's give you an update on what's going on with the homie Jesse Smollett. Chicago, official, Chicago officials now want to know if the FBI uncover any evidence about Jesse Smollett's claim that he was a target of a racist and homophobic threat before the infamous alleged attack. Now, as of now, the FBI is refusing to hand over its investigation results because they still haven't closed out the case. So Jesse just went on. Um, I saw he did an interview recently uh, with uh, I forgot my homie's name. Mark. Uh, Michael. Uh... Mark something. We're bad hosts because we're supposed to know this right here. <laughs> but anyway, he was uh, he went on. There it is right there. Lamont. Something Lamont. I know that's his name. But anyway, Lamont pretty much he, something. he's saying that people won't let this go. But the thing is, dude, you did it. You you lied. So yeah, they're going to try to make an example of you, you know? So he's still denying that he did not do it. Especially but, when the part of it is, too, part of his story was that 
it was two people that were Trump supporters that had the news. So he put in an element of racism and an element of Trump. Trump yeah. Now everybody who wants to defend them, because you know that there are still millions of people who defend them at every turn uh, because that's what cults do. They defend yeah. their leader. Uh, so that's why people ain't dropped it, because you got a cult now. You done activated the cult. Yeah. The cult is coming after you now, and we can't protect you against them because they're crazy. Yeah, they're crazy, and they're and they're they're gonna get them. They're well, I'm not gonna say they're gonna get them, but they're trying to get them because they they're they're Trump's flunkies. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, they want to make an example out of them. Yeah, um, they're 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 definitely gonna make an example. So we'll keep you updated on what's going on with your boy Jesse Smollett. Now, uh, we got an update on what's going on with Dr. Dre's ex-wife, Nicole. Now, as you can recall, we told you that she was filing for divorce back in June. The latest thing that just came out, this came out last week, was that she's requesting almost $2 million a month in temporary spousal support while they sort through their divorce proceedings, and she wants him to pay $5 million in lawyer fees. Now, Nicole broke down her monthly expenses, and I'm telling you, I'm like, really, girl? Okay, now, she says that she spends $135 a month in clothes. Education, $60,000 a month. Tuition and living expenses, I'm assuming that these are for her kids. Entertainment expenses, $900,000 a month. Charitable contributions, $125,000 a month. Mortgage, $100,000 a month. Telephone, cell phone, email, $20,000 a month. Damn, Shani, really? Now, there's also drama with their alleged prenup. Now, at first it was reported that the couple didn't have a prenup. Remember, we told you about that. Then the word came out that their prenup agreement could possibly mean that Nicole may not get half of her husband's $800 million fortune. However, some courts will deem that prenup stale or invalid after 10 years if it isn't updated. So it's it's crazy. I mean, your girl is, she's no joke. She's going after the gusto, man. She's, yeah. she's trying to get it. Yeah, she like, yeah, you got some money. Yeah, I didn't realize that, but that's the breakdown that she was saying. Like, who, two, you, you spending $2 million every month? <laughs> that's insane. Every that's month the- you're spending $2 million? That's insane. Why would you even want to? Even if you had a spin and you didn't even notice two million dollars uh, every month or whatever, why would you? Why would you want to? And why did you? Why would you need to? And then some of the stuff just didn't make sense to me. All right, you got ten thousand dollars in laundry and cleaning your clothes, but you also buying thirty-five thousand dollars worth in clothes right. every month. Right. It, it doesn't make sense, and it really makes it, 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 it sixty thousand a month. Yeah, it's it's so this is my thing because it because now if you add all that up, it's still like almost five hundred thousand dollars short of yeah. almost two million dollars. So she really didn't even have to come out with this list right here because it really makes her look like a gold digger. In yeah. my opinion, I mean it, it, it make it makes it look like she's money hungry, like she's going after the money when she should have just sat back. And I remember like what my mother would always tell me, she would always say. Just be still when you're going through some drama, when you're going through some issues and problems, just be still and everything is going to work out. But she just went on, on on national news, you know, just went to the blogs and just said, yo, this is the breakdown. And this these are my spending habits. Two million dollars. And we're in a pandemic. We got all of these people that are in so much strife right now as a country. You know what I'm saying? But you're saying that you spend two million dollars a month. And what what is her career? What does she do? She doesn't do anything. She's got accustomed to a certain lifestyle. So that's why she uh, is trying to get all this money. And I don't think that she's going to get it. I really don't think she's going to get it. Yeah, that's that's absurd. Yeah. Uh, 
if you want to comment, uh, that's the website. You can join us in our virtual studio. All this information right there. Soul.2 slash everybody mad. Okay, so, you know, I pulled up this uh, Ice Cube story, said, but we kind of, it seemed like we talked about it first before everybody really got a hold of it. Because yeah. when I looked when I looked at the story again, I'm like, uh, we talked about that whole Ice Cube thing. We broke it down, but people yeah. are just now jumping on uh, the whole Ice Cube story after we brought it to you all first on the Everybody Mad Live podcast. So you can go back and check out, you know, what we had to say about that. So I'm going to skip that story, said, or I can I can talk about it again. It don't matter. Well, there's a little look, there's a little update to uh, that particular story because uh, the news has gotten out. Um, so now Biden's camp and also Trump's camp have responded to him. Um, so I guess where he is now is whichever of those two camps agrees to give him uh, what he's asking for in the contract to black America. Yeah. Um, then that's what. So. So maybe so I'm like a couple minutes of, of his response. Now, here's. Uh, OK, because he's saying that he's going to vote for whoever. Which whoever co signs with with uh with with the black voters. That's what he's saying. So he's he's so he's pretty much saying that even if Trump does it first, if Trump says okay, this is what it is, then Trump is gonna get his vote. And I got an opinion about that. I'll let you play it. Um uh fair amount of contracts, government contracts go to uh black businesses, and I say black specifically because the word minority has actually hurt us because every minority usually gets something but us. I really want to focus on economics. This is something that we really need. I think economics could fix a lot of these other social problems. They're moving full speed on dealing with social issues. The same amount of energy needs to go into getting uh, uh, us out of this economic hole that Black people have found ourselves in generation after generation. We have to close this wealth gap. Both sides have contacted us. And what's, what's, what I see is both sides understand that something big needs to be done. What I think the Biden campaign should really be scared of is, you know, Trump can actually do it. Like, he can... Mm -hmm try to implement it before the elections. I'm ready to, to fight for black people. You know, I'm not concerned about too many other things right now. You know, we've been concerned about so many other things and so many other issues that benefit everybody but us. And it's time for us to benefit. And, and uh, somebody needs to step up to the plate and do it. So... I'm I'm all for what Cube said. I I agree with you know trying to show love you know for African Americans fight for us as Black people, but still the message is still getting twisted. If we do not vote Trump out of office, we're gonna have to deal with another four years of his BS, and nobody wants to do deal with that. Even if he does create some kind of plan to say, okay, this is what I'm gonna do, and thanks because Ice Cube gave me the idea, and Ice Cube has all these followers. If if something like that happens and all these people follow what Ice Cube is saying and they don't vote for Biden and they vote for Trump, we're going to we're going to lose. Everything is going to be lost. Everything that we're fighting for is going to be lost. So I just think that the message is wrong. I think that people could actually misconstrue and receive that message the wrong way. Um, I, 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 mm, that's just how I feel about it. Sid. What's, what's your thoughts on it? 
Maya Angelou said, once someone tells you and shows you who they are, you believe them. Mm-hmm. Trumplin already told us he don't care about us. Yeah. He already told us that. We know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that he doesn't care about us. We also know that he does things just to do them. His heart is not in it. Like, we heard all the stuff that he said. He, he, he literally lied about the pandemic. So even if it's not just about black people, because I know that I agree black people need to be considered more in bids and, and get more contracting. And I think economically uh, we've been shut out in a lot of spaces where we shouldn't have been shut out. So I'm not disagreeing with what Ice Cube was saying, but Ice Cube is looking at it like both of these two men are equal. No, and they're not. Ice Cube is looking at it as if Trump ain't the man that sides with white supremacists openly and does things uh, negatively uh, towards black women. Never had a good word to say about any of our black queens. And mm-hmm. I take offense to that, you know. Um, on the other hand, you got Joe Biden. And I know he has a challenged history. He's been in politics for 50 years. So I know he's done some things and, and said some things that a lot of people don't agree with. I get that. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of it, we know Joe's going to bring a black woman with him. We know Joe's going to bring a black Supreme Court with him. Yeah. We know Joe Joe's going to bring a black staff with him. We know Joe is going to have black people all up and down his inner circle. That's mm-hmm. what he came from. He was the first black president's vice president. So he's he's been working with people of color and having a diverse staff since he's been in politics over the recent history. So we know what he's going to give us. Yeah. We also know what Trump has given us. We know that he's put almost 300 federal judges into the uh, system. Mm-hmm. Zero are black. So yeah. this plan that Ice Cube was talking about, we going to really trust Trump to do what he say he going to do? Oh, okay. Right. right. I just I, I just think that it's very irresponsible for an African for an African-American man on, with a platform like Ice Cube to get on national, you know, uh, shows like TMZ and stuff like that and say what he did. You know, I, f- I feel like it's just it's sloppy. It's kind of reckless, you know. And then on top of that, Biden has already come up with a plan for African-Americans. And we've talked about this before and it's already outlined on his website. So, you know, Cube, you know, is trying to go hard and everything like that. But everything that you said is true. You know, Trump, he's, he's just not for the people, African-Americans, especially. He doesn't care. We just told you some stories where he's still co-signing for this 17-year-old white boy up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that shot some protesters. And, and, and they're waiting to be shot eight times in the back. Once yeah. About Jacob Blake. Yeah, has, hasn't done a thing. You know what I mean? So just for Ice Cube to do this, you know, it just kind of makes me think like, oh, but then there's people that's going to, once again, Ice Cube has that platform. People are going to follow Ice Cube. And there there's some people that just saw that video and they were like, hmm, yeah, he's absolutely right. And if Trump does, and, and Trump being slick like he is, Trump could come out with something and say, hey, I'm going to do this for, for, for the blacks. Because that's, you know, that's how he talks. I'm going to do this for the blacks. He's good at a smoke and mirror. He can tell you what he's going to give you. Uh, like Same way w- what, he, what he did with the unemployment when, when, when the folks lost the 600 and he said the federal government going to make sure you get 400 back. Remember that? Mm-hmm. We talked about that on the show a month ago. Ain't yeah. nobody got no $400 check. That's what I'm saying. He right. will have a press conference and tell you what he's going to do. But right. when you follow up with him, there's no evidence of him doing what he said he's going to do. So he's mm-hmm. a liar. He's not going to do it. And then on the other part, you got Biden. And I'm not trying to ride uh, Biden. 
tale and 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 like say that he's the greatest thing ever uh, but like we know that we can get biden to change his mind when when he was thinking about a vice president all them black women all them black celebrities they said you better not boy you better not think about it getting on amy klobuchar right right and, and then when i got a girl got a woman of color got exactly. a woman of color they made sure, and actually, like we had the guests on the show who were a part of that seven thousand group of women who said, "You better not do that. You better yeah. get a sister in there." So we know we can tell Joe, Joe, you better do this, or you're gonna lose our support. So yeah. we got recent history of yeah, we can change his mind, we can mold and shape Joe, we can get him more easily to go to the direction that we want to. But mm-hmm. how many judges Trump gave us? Yeah, hey. my case. Yep, I will not watch another episode of Friday. <laughs> I will not watch Players Club anymore that until after November. That just hurt my heart. When Biden, when Biden, we're not gonna, we're not going to cancel Cube yet because I I believe that we can convince Cube of his wrongs. You know, like uh, like I just think I just think like Cube is Cube seems stubborn to me. He seems what? He seems a bit stubborn. Mm, I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm sure that we're going to be hearing more about what's going on with Ice Cube. We got a couple more stories before we wrap up. All right. I heard that uh, the versus, you know, the versus thing is really blowing up now. Thanks to uh, Brandy and Monica, because, you know, no one was, you know, people that were kind of checking for verses and everything. But when Brandy and Monica hit that 1.2 million viewers last week, it was like the talk, like everybody was talking about versus, and it was also a real good look for R&B too. Well, it's it's coming out that this Sunday, which I feel like they need to give a little bit more time to promote it because they really didn't give it enough time to promote. But this Sunday, two legends, two OGs are going head to head: Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight. That's going to be huge, but I still believe that they need to give it time. And if you know personally, you know they're they're two amazing artists uh gladys knight is representing georgia you know love gladys knight but i'm patty all day nobody can mess with patty one because she's aunt patty too because she can cook and she got some fire sweet potato pies play with it that's this is like a mom and them and auntie them type of uh verses yeah everybody ain't gonna be on instagram so like how y'all gonna get all these old people get on instagram to be checking out this verses on their phone they gonna turn to bet and try and find the patty labelle uh concert is that is that gladys where's that gladys night and patty labelle concert at right i can't find it and you see they're doing it on a sunday at like five o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) it can't be too late because you know brandy and monica their thing was like it was like nine o'clock yeah, yeah, it was right. late, you know, but this one right here, they said, okay, we want to make sure we get all the OGs to watch. Right. Uh, but um, I still think that they should have waited a little while longer. But, you know, I'm all for it. I think it's dope. I think that I, I like that they're um, giving props to the OGs like that. I, yeah. I think that that's awesome. So uh, if you're interested, definitely check out Patty LaBelle and Gladys Knight's versus airing this Sunday on Instagram Live. Shouts out to the party. I'm sorry, what? I said I might do a watch party. We might do an everybody mad watch party for 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 uh, Patty and uh, and uh, no, Glad. No, I can't see with a whole bunch of older po- older folks. <laughs> 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 with a whole bunch of older folks, really said never. Mind. I just don't. I don't see it. I know it's not going to get the numbers that they want. You know, it's not going to get like the one point two oh, oh, no. million. Um, but they're still, you know, incredible artists. I mean, I, I'm gonna definitely check it out just to see. Yeah. 
you know, it's you know, on some Sunday chill kind of vibe and everything like that. But okay, so uh, my cousin said, uh, G Max said Beyonce versus Mary. Uh, I somebody had talked to me about this, like, who could you put Mary J up against? I don't think Mary and Beyonce is a good mix, maybe Beyonce and Rihanna. Maybe Beyonce, Beyonce and Rihanna. Rihanna. Mary J, you you got to put Mary up against like uh, Mariah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would do that. Uh, now, um, I've a, I've been an advocate for Tony Braxton. Um, I think I think her catalog is deep. I think she got a deep enough catalog and like yeah. sad enough songs to go hit for hit. Maybe with Mary, she would be good. Or you could put Tony up against Mariah Carey. She her catalog is she got she got hits. Tony Tony's a I, I love all of Tony's albums. I'm a Tony Braxton fan. Yeah. Uh, let's keep things moving. Uh, speaking of Tony Braxton, her sister Tamar Braxton. Uh, Tamar's now ex boyfriend David claims that he's a victim of domestic violence. He said that Tamar punched him in his neck while he was driving her to a mental facility, causing him to wreck his Rolls Royce. Now, after Tamar hit him, he said that he was discombobulated and he had to call his mom and she started praying. Well, I love black folks. Uh, after Tamar allegedly hit him, he said that he found out that he was being secretly recorded. David said his Rolls Royce was destroyed and there are over $30,000 worth of damages. And now the cops are involved. I think said you may have a clip of that. I see her um, reality show aired this past uh, week, too, that she didn't want to come out. And, of course, it's interesting enough, they dropped this reality show when all this drama's coming out. You know, that's right. that happened purposely. That yeah. that was intentional. Yeah, and, and ain't it that's barely been a year? Thing. Like, she, uh, uh, it's just been, like, I think it was last fall that she started with this, uh, with, with this David guy. And a lot of people call him a scammer anyway. Really? Yeah, that's what I've seen. I, I don't, I don't know him. I know. Well, what did he do? He's look. He's saying she was messing me up. I was driving a Rolls Royce, <laughs> and she hit me. She hit me in the jugular, hard. She hit me hard. I didn't know what to do. I am African. I didn't know. Tamar, it's over. <laughs> he's scamming you. <laughs> All right. Let's keep it moving. Uh, I was going to tell you too about uh, the homie Travis Scott. Uh, just inked a major deal with McDonald's. You could actually pull up to McDonald's right now for the Travis Scott meal. That's big. Uh, that is a quarter pounder with cheese, bacon, and lettuce, a medium fried with barbecue sauce, and a Sprite with extra ice. It's Travis Scott's go-to order anytime he pulls up to McDonald's. And uh, that's a real good look for Travis Scott. I like some of his music. I like the sicko joint. Yeah. Yeah. I like anybody whose last name is Scott. So uh, he works with me. I bet. Had McDonald's in probably about mm, all, all year. I know I ain't had it all, all year, but uh, yeah, I haven't eaten McDonald's. Would, in a long uh, time. That's that's what I would do. I do a quarter pounder. Yeah, um, yeah, I do a quarter pounder. Put a little bit of bacon on it and um, put really. Mac, I put Big Mac sauce. If I go to McDonald's, regardless of what I get, I'm I'm yeah. getting Big Mac sauce. A Big Mac knowing a little bit of Big Mac sauce. Quarter pounder, add Big Mac sauce. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chicken McNuggets. Give me a side of Big Mac sauce. Yeah. yeah. Really? Wow, wow. I remember when I used to go to McDonald's, my thing, I used to love getting Big Macs back in the day with extra sauce, no cheese. 
But my thing was always those filet of fish. Oh, yeah. They were so good. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, my cousins, they'll tell you, I remember uh, going to uh, McDonald's with my cousins back in the day. My cousin Juan used to eat a fish filet with the chocolate milkshake on the side, and he would dip the fish fillet, the, the, the filet of fish in the uh, chocolate shake. It used to taste so good, though. That's how we used to eat it back in the day, man. So, yeah, that yeah. was that. Never did a fish fillet in chocolate, but I've done Wendy's fries inside of a frosty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that used to be good, too. But, uh, yeah, like, but now, like, I, I will say I did eat McDonald's uh, probably like a couple of months ago. I, I was just, you know how you just drive past, you can smell those French fries or fish, fries, yeah. the filet of fish. I got me a filet of fish. And I, I I don't eat a lot of fast food, but that thing was so good. I got a flavor fish with extra tartar sauce. It was so good. And I don't that bumpy sauce. About McDonald's filet fish. You said what? I've heard nobody talk about McDonald's filet fish. What man? You crazy? I mean, it's good, are, but like, oh, they are so good. That's not a signature sandwich. Like that's the hell. What? I can eat two of them, bitch. Somebody old talks about. Ooh, when you go to McDonald's, give me a filet of fish. Like what? what, <laughs> what, what no, when you go to McDonald's, you get a Big Mac, you get a quarter pounder, you get some nuggets. You don't get no food. The way you said it, though. I've been craving a filet of fish. Let me get a filet of fish. Ooh, and tell them to do extra tartar sauce. I've never heard anybody say that ever. Boy, I need some people to just comment right now, man. Somebody just back me on this right here. McDonald's got the fire-ass fish sandwiches. I'm telling you, man, they are so good. I've had much better. Maybe, Wait. Maybe y'all. Okay, no, uh, okay. So, my cousin, hey, shout out to my cousin Deb in California. Okay, so she said it's a family thing. Okay, yeah, we we love the fish. fish. Yes, with extra tartar sauce. Lorraine, you got my back. Thank you, Lorraine. See, okay, everybody is commenting. Thank you. That's it. All right, I got a couple more stories before we wrap things up. Uh, just a few more stories, and we'll be done because it's Friday. I know we got to go. Uh, okay, uh, Odell Beckham said, did you hear this story? I did, and it was a bit strange. Very strange. And I'm going to keep this clean because I know it's a family show, but apparently Odell Beckham Jr. was uh, trending on Twitter. Video. You said what? I said a family show. I was about to play the video. Oh. Go ahead and play it then. Oh, hold on. Apparently, this we're about to hear uh, Chief Keith's baby mama. Her name is Slim Danger. She's accusing him of being into. Mm, play it. I'll okay. let you play it. You can keep it. Oh! Okay, I will tell y'all the story. Oh, allegedly. Allegedly. We're, we're allegedly. avoiding lawsuits here. Yeah, allegedly. We're dodging. Okay. Him. Yes, he loves Tell to be you. shitted on. Woo! Okay. okay, that was my first time um, ever. I, I, I actually couldn't shit. Okay, I, could, <laughs> yeah, I, could I don't shit. think I could shit on the way I either. What shit. the fuck? I could not do it. it was, that was something like. Well, clearly, and and you know, let's just let's get it clear. Like this woman had a baby with Chief Keith, right? And she goes by the name of Slim Danger. So that kind of gives you a little background on her. Right. Um, and she's hopping from celebrity to celebrity. Uh, I don't believe it. I just think that there are some people that are thirsty for fame and attention. And why would you put stuff out there like that? Even if it is true, you know, it's just kind of like. I mean, everybody like what they like. You like extra tartar sauce. 
Maybe Odell Beckham likes. <laughs> he uh, likes Big Mac sauce. Oh, <laughs> oh God. no, that's Big Mac sauce. I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> really, really said that's what we're doing. <laughs> oh my God. It's Friday. I can't. <laughs> Changing the subject. Shouts out to Tiana Taylor and Iman Shumter, proud parents of their second child that they named Baby Rue Rose. Now, the baby was born right here in Atlanta at their crib, and Erica Badu was their doula. So, shouts wow. out to the happy couple. Congratulations to Tiana and to uh, Mr. Shumter. All right, uh, let's see one more story before we wrap things up. Uh, Willow Smith, 19 years old. I can't believe Willow's only 19 years old. Yeah, yeah, I thought she was older than that. Willow Smith is 19, year, 19 years old, just bought herself a brand new crib valued at $3.1 million. Her own crib. Now she's moving out, 19 years old, into a $3.1 million crib. This move comes three years after her brother JM moved into his $4 million crib. Her crib is going to be located out in Malibu, and it's so beautiful out there. So, oh, that's the crib. I didn't even see the pictures. Man, that is clean right there. I love that. Yeah, real modern, real face. sexy, real nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. To be 19 and to be living like that. She got all that money from my whip my hair. She must do. Let me try and whip my hair. See, see how much I can generate from that. Okay. Dang. I ain't even mad. Red table talk paying like that. I ain't even mad. Hey, before we dip out, um, we got to make sure that we acknowledge this is the anniversary of 9-11. It's been 19 years since the anniversary of 9-11 attacks. So um, prayers and condolences out to anyone that lost a loved one, uh, family member during 9-11. Also, keep in mind, too, if you want to know anything about these candidates that's running in um, elections that in the elections that's coming up, make sure that you go to BallotReady.com. That's where you can find out everything that you need to know about these politicians, because this election is coming up and we need you to know everything that there is about your local politicians and what's going on with our presidential election. So you can dive into the background and opinions of every candidate on your ballot and save your choice and bring your ballot to the polls and vote. Once again, that is BallotReady.com, BallotReady.com. Cedric, yep. that was a good show, brother. Yep, yep, it was good. Yeah, everybody needs a plan. Make sure you have a plan for voting. Don't just wait for uh, election day or election week. Uh, you really, right now, you need to be uh, checking out your registration. You need to be making sure that you are registered because even in the state of Georgia, there was, uh, what was it? 40,000 people that were kicked off of the rolls in the state of Georgia. The yeah. same thing Brian Kemp did as Secretary of State is happening as he's governor. So yeah. your vote matters. If it didn't matter, they wouldn't keep trying to take it from you. So everyone now, while it's still early, it's September 11th. Uh, we're just over 50-something uh, days away from the election. So now's a good time for everybody to check your registration, check your precinct and what you have to do. And if you are able to early vote and get it out of the way, do that. Yeah. And what's interesting said, and um, I need to pull up, I'll talk about, we could talk about this next week too, because I know we're out of time, but here in Georgia, there were actually people that did uh, early voting and their ballots, uh, their ballots weren't counted. Oh, 
Yeah, they talked about it here on the news here in Atlanta that there were maybe about like 2,000 people that did early voting and uh, either they didn't receive their ballots or their ballots weren't counted. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's still happening. 2020. And, and there was just a report that Russia is still trying to engage in uh, activities against our election. They've hacked into a couple of states uh, voter uh, registrants, so they have the ability to manipulate. Uh, those things so there's still attacks going on so it's going to be important it's an all-out fight i know we might think that yeah it's all over uh we we got clear number one and number two but we don't because there's going to be some mm -hmm. cheating involved they're already cheating so mm -hmm. we have to do what we have to do to make sure that our vote counts and it is counted when it's time for election day to happen so yeah it's something to think about but 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 don't forget about it as we get on yeah definitely all right, everybody, don't forget you can holler at me at Kenya Kabeen on Instagram and on Twitter at Kenya Kabeen one on Facebook. I'm at Sad Lover, Facebook, Twitter and uh, Instagram. You can check it out there. And also, please, please, please check out the Everybody Mad. Oh, it's over there. There, Everybody Mad Facebook. Follow that Facebook page for us. Mm -hmm. um, and that way you can keep up to date throughout the week on what we're doing next week. Uh, we have a uh, jazz artist coming on the show. Uh, he has a new release that'll be coming out on uh, next Friday. So we'll uh, release that on the show as well and celebrate that. Plus, some more of your good stuff right here on the Everybody Mad Live podcast. I'm glad you guys joined us. Uh, stay in touch. All right. Stay safe. Stay blessed. Until next time.